What up? How's, how's everyone going? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. So, um, uh, what, uh, oh. So I can look at you. <laughs> um, Merry Christmas. Uh, so next week is Christmas Eve. Have you got your shopping done? No. Okay. Uh, Sarah and I have smashed it out. Um, the hardest people to buy for this year were the babies. But um, just kidding, they were super easy. Um, and the cheapest, so... Not to, yeah, for now. For now, it'll get more expensive. Um, okay, so tonight, because it is the Christmas meeting... Uh, next week, if you didn't uh, hear, we're going to do the fundraiser, and so there's not going to be a Christmas meeting. So this is the Christmas meeting. Um, so we're going to go through the Christmas story. Um, and uh, before we do that, though, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the time that we can spend together. We thank you for who you are and for the way that you show, you, show us your love. Um, Lord, we just pray that you would talk and help us... Um, Hear this story in a brand new way and let it penetrate our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so you all know the Christmas story, right? I would be very surprised. Okay, cool. All right. Santa. Well, huh? Santa. Yes, so Santa was a little boy. And so um, uh, before we actually talk about the Christmas story, um, obviously since Christmas has become like a major celebration, especially in the West, there, and since the advent of movies, uh, there have been a million Christmas stories told over the, well, probably centuries now, or maybe, maybe a century. But anyway, uh, millions of Christmas stories. What are some uh, like famous ones that you guys love? You know, you'll switch on the TV. Try, let's try to play a game together. So just tell me the plot and tell everyone the plot, but don't say the title. And then we'll uh, guess the title. All right, we'll do three. Who wants to go first? Okay. A kid trashes his parents' house. While <laughs> <laughs> Was he home alone? <laughs> Respect. So yeah, home alone. Classic. Kevin McAllister. What else? Any other? A man discovers that a lifetime of good deeds pays in the end. Ooh. At the moment of the darkest night. Close. It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. Uh, that shouldn't be that abstract, but I appreciate it, John. I, I was there with you, bro. What else? One more? A really tall guy lives in the North Pole with really small people. <laughs> <laughs> a modern classic? Elf. Yes, Elf. Very good. All right, cool. So um, before all these wonderful classic Christmas movies, there was the original Christmas story. And so we're going to read it together, and we're going we're gonna to go Mary's story, Joseph's story, and then uh, like the actual common story, the nativity scene. Um, and so we're going to jump between the books of the Bible. But uh, before we do it, may I invite you to wipe your brain clear of what you know of the Christmas story. Uh, forget the nativity scenes, forget the walks to Bethlehem, forget the uh, 
uh, Charlie Brown Christmas special. Forget all the versions of this story and let's come to it or try to come to it fresh tonight and let's see what we notice and let's see what God highlights. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 1 and we're going to look from verse 26 to 38. So what's already happened in Luke's gospel is that Elizabeth and Zechariah have been told that they will be pregnant with John, um, even though they're an old couple. And um, uh, God is doing a new thing. God is doing a miraculous thing. And this is a pretty big deal because I'm not sure if you know this, but in the story of the Bible, old people getting pregnant is a pretty big deal. And it's happened a couple of times before. And well, barren people or old people getting pregnant is a pretty big deal. So uh, now this John is coming and John is very special, not just because he's given to this old couple um, who serve God and love God, but because he's going to announce the coming of the Messiah. He's going to be the prophet, the final prophet, the prophet that all the other prophets looked forward to. Um, And so that's just happened. Okay, and now we get this story from verse 26. Uh, to 38, I'll read it. So, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay. Well, okay. Now, again, wipe your brain clear. Let's teleport ourselves back to Nazareth, uh, like, you know, uh, 3 BC. Um, Or, yeah, 3 AD. 3 AD. Thank you, Rona, for the acknowledgement. 3 AD, Nazareth uh, in Galilee. So this place is a place where everyone does not have iPhones and everyone does not have any luxury that you or I have. This is a place where people are not just, they don't just date and then they, you know, get married and, and they get, you know, they get engaged and then they get married. This is a place where women do not work and men essentially hold all the power. This is the environment. Nazareth is a place that every other Jewish person looks at and goes, hick town, uh, backwater streets, slums, 
poor, hicks, they don't know anything, okay? This is this place. And here we have this woman called Mary. In fact, probably a people think that she was about 16, 17 years old, okay? So cast your mind, girls especially, cast your mind back to when you were 16, 17 years old. And then all of a sudden, a guy comes up to you in this place at this time and says to you, hey, you're favored by God. Would you have the same reaction Mary did? It's a pretty reasonable reaction. But also, it's a pretty amazing reaction because she doesn't just take it. She's like, oh, that's very nice. And oh, thank you. <laughs> she would have had her head covered. But um, <laughs> no, she's like, hmm, sussing him out. So I, I want you to think about who Mary is and, and like get, like, you know, and, and we'll do the same with Joseph. So then the angel says to her, um, she doesn't know, it's an, but he, he starts speaking like an angel, do not be afraid. And then he says again, you're favored by God. And this whole time where we're thinking, because we know the Bible, read the Bible, we are thinking to all these other times that God has revealed himself through his angels or through the angel of the Lord to people. And we're thinking, whoa, what the heck? To this teenage girl in this place, like this is not, this is not right. This seems weird. This seems off. And uh, Mary does too, because she is humble and because she is, well, because she is the one who has the heart that God is searching for. Um, and uh, then he says to her that um, you're going to have a child. Again, you are a teenage girl, betrothed. She is betrothed to Joseph. So the way it works back in the olden days, even older than my days, back, back then, the way it works was that there was no dating. You were engaged right up front. You're usually when you were kids, so your parents promised, you know, put, put you know, arranged marriage. And then about a year out from when you were going to get married, you were then betrothed. That's pretty much like you're married, but just you're not living together and there's no consummation of the marriage and the ceremony hasn't happened and all that kind of stuff. But you are, like, this is like a year away from sealing the deal. Like, this is it kind of thing. So she's a virgin. She's never known anyone. And that's very important. Back in the day, that's a huge deal if you didn't know already. Um, and uh, she's betrothed. She's already got her, her, her kind of... She's, she's a year away or, or thereabouts from marrying Joseph. And then this angel comes and says, you're favored by God. You're going to be pregnant. Do you see how that would not feel like being favored at all? And Mary is stunned. And Mary does not fight. She does not shout. She does not say, no, no, no. Can you think of a time where God came up to someone and said, I, I choose you, and then they said, no, no, no? Yeah, like a lot of times, uh, some pretty big, important people. But Mary doesn't do that. She just asks, but how? It's a very valid question. It's a very simple and beautiful question. It's a very honest question. And the angel tells her how. He says, God, the Spirit of God will overshadow you overshadow. So back in the day, again, we know our Bible. So back in the day, when God presented himself to the people of Israel, he would shadow them with a cloud 
in the wilderness when he was leading them um, out from uh, Egypt and into the Promised Land. When this, the temple, when the temple was first consecrated to God, and when the the the, um, the tabernacle in the wilderness was consecrated to God, the 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 cloud, the glory of God as a cloud descended on the temple. It overshadowed the temple. Um, the spirit of God hovered and uh, kind of. Not overshadowed, but hovered over the waters, and, and so the Spirit of God dwelled among and over before God began His life-creating uh, action in the world. So God says that through this angel Gabriel to Mary, "That's what's going to happen in your womb. God is going to bring about life in you, the same way that He brought about His presence and His life through all the the, the millennia." So, Mary, what does she say? Um, Oh, oh, and then the angel, importantly, says, and just so you know that this will be, this is true, and that I'm not just a crazy dude coming out of nowhere saying all this stuff, your cousin, Elizabeth, she, you thought she'd never get pregnant. Well, guess what? She is. She's six months in, and, um, uh, and God, and, and uh, this is important, for nothing will be impossible with God. The literal translation here is that Whatever God says will come to pass. And so Mary says this. um, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel left. No further questions. No further debate. No further, but like, God, what about when people find out what's going to happen? What about Joseph? Um, You know, it's going to be really difficult for me um, no whatever you have said whatever the Lord has said may it be so is what Mary answers can you see why she was favored by God can you see why God chose her what would you say if you were in her position rhetorical question Have it. but this is remarkable and this is beautiful and this is why like it's interesting because we are not told any of this information before God chose Mary. We come to know why God chose Mary because of the story of how he chose her. And God sees the heart, right? Uh, what comes to mind is David uh, when Samuel is looking for the next king of Israel. And uh, he goes and visits all the sons of Jesse. And then finally David comes along, the little runt, last born uh, child. And God says, yes, this is the king. This is the one. And Samuel's like, what? This guy? And he's like, yes, for God does not look at the outward appearance, but he looks at the heart. And so this is what's happening in this story. Okay, how you going? All right, let's have a look at Matthew chapter 1. Oh, one more thing about Mary, right? So here's the deal. If you got pregnant before you were married in a culture which could stone you for being an adulterer or adulteress, um, it's very, you know, what's Mary going to do? She's going to be like, don't worry, everyone. This is God's baby. This is what happened with the angel. We take that for granted. We think that, oh yeah, there were simple, stupid people back in the day. Mary could have told this story, and everyone would be like, oh yeah, 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 sure, that's, yeah, that's very plausible. Good on you, Mary. 
No, 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 actually. In fact, if you watch um, in the Gospels, whenever Mary comes up when Jesus is preaching and teaching, particularly in, in John, uh, um, uh, and when Jesus is like talking, and they, the, the Jews attack his parents' parentage. They actually say, um, I'm thinking about, I think it's John chapter 4 or John chapter 8 or something like that, where he's talking about um, who is your father, and then they reply, um, we are not um, children of a prostitute or something like that, or a harlot. So this follows, this follows Mary, this follows his family, this, this, is, this is a big deal. And also Nazareth is, like we said, country kick town, backwater place, Probably a population of about two thousand people. Uh, you know, people know each other. It's it's. I know. I mean, again, people don't have iPhones and stuff. You live in close community with others. So this is a big deal, um, and it cannot be understated how big of a deal this is, and it cannot be understated how impactful this is to Mary. Okay, Matthew chapter one. Let's look at Joseph now. So verse eighteen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. Okay, Joseph. So, Joseph knows that Mary is pregnant, right? Now, it's not clear whether or not Mary told him the story or not. Uh, all we know is that he knows, and he knows it's not him. And so he is sitting there thinking, what am I going to do? And he, it's fascinating. Uh, guys, now, your turn to have put yourself in, the, in Joseph's shoes. So... You are about to get married to probably like a lifelong friend, a, a sweetheart, someone that you've known that you would be with, um, and someone that you have been connected to and love. Um, so you already love this person, you've already committed to this person, you are looking forward to the day that you will come together, and then all of a sudden, she's pregnant. It hurts, it's a betrayal, what's going on? How could she? What's going on? But Joseph, it's interesting, he doesn't, he doesn't turn around and he doesn't, there's no confrontation that, where he shouts her down. He doesn't make a public mockery of her and d demands that she be stoned. He doesn't, which he could have done, he doesn't, uh, um, you know, he, he doesn't like lash out and try to humiliate her or try to kind of embarrass her further. He's thinking about what's the, Easy, the, what's the quietest, most dignified way that I can let her go? Because I don't think that this is right, um, and I am not going to be in a relationship with someone who has betrayed me, which is fair enough um, and self-respecting. But 
um, uh, you know, at the same time, I'm not going to, because of a love for her, because of a respect for her, he is not going to abuse her or humiliate her in this moment. That's pretty amazing. Like, give Joseph some kudos for that. Like, that's pretty good. Um, at least I think so. Um, and uh, so, guess what God does? God does not want to break up this couple. God does not want this family to be torn apart. And so what he does is he sends an angel to speak to Joseph in a dream. And he says very clearly what Mary was told. This is the Holy Spirit um, overshadowing her and, and, and that this child, his name will be Jesus. Did you notice that both angels told both parents what the name of the baby will be? Uh, and Jesus meaning God saves, God is our salvation. So the idea here is God is like very intentional, like you are going to be the parents of my son. And you are going to be the parents of the Messiah. And the point of the Messiah is to save. And so this, as you together, not as you separate, not as, all right, Mary, you go do your thing, and oh, Joseph doesn't want to be part of your life anymore. Well, that, that's, that's a damn shame. Well, I'm glad that you stuck through with this plan. And No, no, Joseph, hang around. Why? I think that God also was searching to and fro. So we're going to read that passage in a second. But um, Joseph, too, was someone that God knew his heart and knew that he wanted him to be a part of his son's life and be entrusted with this responsibility. Um, and then we get uh, Matthew. And Matthew, so from Matthew chapter 1 to Matthew chapter 2, I think it's something like five or six times that Matthew will say, and it was fulfilled, the, the words of the prophet were fulfilled, da 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 and then he'll quote something from the Old Testament. Um, Matthew really hammers home this sense of God's action and his sovereignty and God's hand over everything, um, that nothing is a mistake. Um, what is the common thread between Mary and Joseph? I think it's pretty summed up in one word, and it is obedience. They were both obedient. As soon as Joseph woke up from the dream, we read, um, he, um, let me read it. Uh, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. All right, so... We've got these two people. And I pose to you, why does God do this? Well, like, if God was going to bring about a, a, his, his son into the world and was going to like, hey, this is, my, this is me in flesh uh, and I've come to save you all, why do this to these people from Nazareth in like pre-iPhone era with no like support and like tear apart their social connection and to poor people these are poor people like why well this is the verse that I was about to quote before and here it is Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 um, and I pulled it out of context but it's very applicable um, for the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth 
so that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. God is desperate to find people who he knows their hearts belong to him. And then he will do things in and through them. And Mary and Joseph, they were people whose heart was for God. And he knew it. And he's like, now is the time. I've been waiting for you guys to come on the scene. And here you are. And here's what you're like. And now is the time. It's not despite Mary and Joseph or just he was going to do it anyway. And so these are the you know, guys around. It's because of Mary and Joseph. Because of who they are. Um, and that is very, very lovely. It's very counterintuitive. Um, okay, let's have a read of the actual nativity scene here. Luke chapter 2. Um, so let's skip forward. So, from verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And just in like three sentences, uh, Luke paints this extremely both heartbreaking or inspiring uh, story, like three, three sentences. Um, don't miss it. Again, wipe it from your brain, the things that you've seen and the peaceful scenario and the, the little stable and, and uh, everyone's like so happy and dirty. These are, this is a teenage girl who is probably being shunned by her family, who's with her um, betrothed, not even married yet. They have to make a long journey while she's in her third trimester of pregnancy. All you need to do is talk to Helen and Sarah about what third trimester is like uh, and, and like how long they think they could journey for on foot slash on the back of a donkey. Um, uh, it ain't easy. And on top of all of that, they're in a strange place. None of their relatives are there. Mary's mom isn't there helping her out like would have been customary. Maybe her, we don't know the situation of their family in general. But anyway, bottom line is, there they are by themselves alone. And they have no place. They're staying in a stable. They're staying in a cave where all the animals sleep and stay. And that's the only room that there is. And Mary has to give birth with her not even fully husband yet by her side, which is also not customary. And, uh, and first baby, like this is not a seasoned mother. This is a first timer. Let me tell you how stressful it is to have your first baby, especially if you feel like, a lot, like you know, if things aren't right. And in this case, things weren't right. And, social context but like it is tough you do not sleep you don't know if you're doing it right you're waiting for the milk to come in you you know add on top of that a dirty stable with no support and no help and absolutely no one around uh and there they are and there they are 
with this baby. The hygiene, mate, this, this newborn sepsis, like, you, you don't even know, like, this could have been really bad. And yet, there they are, and there Jesus is, wrapped up in the feeding trough of the animals, because, like, man, I can't keep holding this baby all day long. I've got to put him down somewhere. All right, just put some fresh hay in the trough, and, like, just get the animals away. Go, shoot, shoot, don't go near, don't go near the baby. And there he is. Um, what the heck? So we've just looked at Mary. We've looked at Joseph. Let's look at God. What is God like? What is this about? This is insane. Insane. What do you feel towards God when you hear and read this story? He seems reckless. He seems... He seems rude. He seems arrogant. He seems imposing. He seems harsh. That's his son in a manger with these people in this situation, let alone harsh and and whatever to Mary and Joseph. That's not what's going on in God's head. That's not what we should be actually saying. I mean, you know, Fair enough if you feel that way, and let's talk about it if you do. But um, there's another way to look at this too. And the way to look at this is um, God is completely sovereign. This is a situation where there is absolutely no conceivable way that this situation would ever work at all. That this couple would last, that this baby would survive, that... Uh, there would be any sense of peace or dignity in this family's life, that this child wouldn't be severely messed up for the rest of their days because of all the trauma from just this one event that it causes on the family. Um, let alone what we're, what, if you read on, we're not going to read on today, but like Herod tries to kill them and kill Jesus when he's a newborn. They have to flee to Egypt. They become refugees. Um, Jesus' first couple of years of life Uh, as a refugee in a foreign country. Um, So, like, you know, like, you know, this is is a a, a statement of God's complete control, authority, sovereignty, power. This is God's assertion that he is God and what the angel said to Mary at the beginning, that his word will always come to pass and his word will never fail. And his word has become flesh, as John will, will tell us in his first chapter. And um, this, his word uh, seems foolishness to us as human beings. And uh, um, let's have a read of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 27 to 29. Paul puts it this way. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God is sovereign. God had his way. But before you Calvinists come out of the woodwork and tell me, oh, he chose the people whose hearts belonged to him to achieve what he wanted. And because he knew them, because he trusted them, because he loved them, and because he knew that they loved him, um, and because he is sovereign. It is the two facts in place that God's will and his activity is made manifest in the world. And it is because of all of this 
that we have this first Christmas story. So all yeah, Kevin McAllister and uh, um, you know what's the guy from It's a Wonderful Life? I forgot his name. James. Uh, James uh, yeah, not the actor. The actual uh, whatever. Anyway, It's a Wonderful Life guy and um, <laughs> all these people. None of their stories would exist either without the story of Jesus Christ being born um, in such a way um, to inspire. So when we sing carols. And when we watch Christmas movies, and when we give presents, and when we uh, hang out with family, know that all of this is a legacy of 2,000 years ago plus. There was a couple who were almost torn apart by God's sovereign choice to use them, and they were faithful to his calling, and God's sovereignty enabled uh, his son to come to the world to grant us um, a life that we never thought possible um, and to give us the opportunity to know him in a way that no one ever did. This is God. This is the God in the Old Testament. This is the God who you could never cast your eyes on or else you'd die. This is the God that Moses said no, 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 no to. This is the God that Isaiah trembled in his presence because I am a sinful man and I cannot be in your presence because I will die. This is this God as a baby, not even able to lift his head out of the manger while his parents are shooing away the animals. This is God. This is God. And let me tell you, having a baby... Um, and remembering those first few days um, of their infancy when they are fresh, fresh, um, there is nothing more fragile or helpless in this world than a child, a newborn child. And this is God. This is how God chose to reveal himself to us. And it was not cruel, and it was not weird, well, weird, but it was ultimately because he loves us, he loved Mary and Joseph, he loves you and me, and because he is sovereign, he has power, and his word will never, ever fail. So, let's pray and thank God for what he did. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for who you are and how you chose to reveal yourself. We thank you that you choose to use us to accomplish your works. And Lord, we thank you that no matter what, you are in control. And no matter when it seems like you are not in control, you still are. So Lord, we can trust you with our lives. We can trust you when you tell us what you want us to do. And we can trust you when you are starting a work in us, even when it seems strange or painful or, or, or weird. Um, Lord, we just give you our hearts anew and we ask, Lord, that this story, this story that we've heard over and over and over since as long as we can remember, this story would hit us new every single time we hear it and that we would be filled with awe and love towards the one who did everything to bring us back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.